Hello, legends. It is your co-host. No, I always say co-host. It's your host, Amy Gerard. I'm here. You guys, beyond the likers, you've tuned in. Hopefully, today's episode is going to be a really helpful, informative one. I am getting on Christy. She is the sleep teacher. She's a beautiful lady. She has three gorgeous girls, and she is helping women mums in particular all around the world like she literally does zooms with people you know internationally she's helped a few of my girlfriends and she is giving the gift of sleep and that is you know helping you to help your baby so that everybody is getting sleep because I cannot stress enough how important sleep is as a mum, as a parent, it's it's going to make you a better mum. It's going to make you a better parent. And I feel like it's one of the most paramount things when it comes to motherhood, even for your baby. Like it's the best way for them to grow and develop and for their brain and all of that jazz. Anyway, it is honestly one of the things that I get asked the most about. Touch wood, most of my kids have been quite decent sleepers. I've never really sleep trained a child. I've had to remove dummies, but I've never had to do any sleep training. And I think there's this huge conception, like misconception that like sleep training is all just about basically letting your baby scream and cry, which sounds horrible. And as a mother, I would never be able to do that either. But I really don't think that's the case. I think Christy's approach is very gentle and I think she works quite closely with the mother. Anyway, I'm not going to speak on behalf of her. We're going to get her on the phone and she's going to do her thing. I'm going to get her on the phone right now. Hello. Hello. (laughs) Hello, Christy, the number one slip consultant in Australia. Okay, sorry, that was false claim, but let's run with it. Yeah. How are you? Um, I'm good. How are you? I am. Um, I'm good. I've been stuffing my face with Maltesers and chips, and it's before uh, midday, so I've uh, kickstarted today off on the wrong foot. What uh, more could a girl ask for? Huh? Well, you know money? what? It's my. Pe- I'm in my. Pe- I've got my periods, and when you've got your period, you just you need to eat all of the junk and all of the chocolate, right? Got to do what you got to do. Yeah, that's me every single day. So, thank you so much for jumping on today's podcast. I think it will be probably my most highly viewed one because everybody loves hearing from a sleep consultant. Sleep is love. Like who doesn't want sleep, honestly? And you know what? Sleep deprivation it truly is a form of torture. 100%. And I think that when you do have sleep and then all of a sudden it's taken away from you, it dicks you over so much harder. I know. And it's one of those things like I always – remember thinking like when I was pregnant oh like you know I've had all-nighters I've babysat like I'll be sweet nothing and no one can prepare you for that constant day in day out sleep deprivation like when it's back to back it is brutal and it's really it, it is one of those things nothing can prepare you for it and it just it changes your whole personality like I am a fire breathing dragon when I'm tired no me too and hence why I became a sleep consultant because I was like once I realized I could start to get sleep, I was like, you know what? Why are we like suffering? Why are we doing this? Like I'm such a better person now. Like my husband and I, Mitch and I were like not at each other all the time. I just felt like a sense of calm when I got sleep. So yeah. 
it's an yeah act. to be able to like you know then go okay well I could help other families do this was like you know what let's do it and you're honestly just such a better person when you get sleep oh absolutely so tell us a little bit about yourself you've got three of your own children yep three girls and when did you decide that you wanted to be a sleep consultant like so my girls are probably pretty similar age to like like age gap to your kids um so Elkie was like three and a half and then I had a two-year-old and I had a newborn and I was like wow you know what routine was super important for me like I'm very much a routine person and as well like I said before like sleep to me is is life and to get it like I was going to do whatever I need to do just to make sure we had that in our household absolutely so with the first two with Elkie and Minka I sort of just there wasn't like you know keeping in mind like they're you know 10 and 8 now so to be honest back then there wasn't a great deal of services and you know even information on Google like there wasn't a lot there was just like a big huge ass book that you could get and like read but yep. to be honest what mum had time to read like 500 page book, page book not me um so yeah so while I sort of took my time working through that and realized what I sort of had to do to help them get sleep I was like oh you know what this is really good works really well the third one came along and I was like okay like I, I couldn't let it get to the point where I couldn't sustain it and yeah. I needed I needed that structure from early on and I needed sleep and and routine just to be able to have like that calm household and and for myself too like mental health wise but so once like I did that early on with her at, you know that sort of four or five months I realized like just what the difference it made and um yeah and I just felt like I really could help other mums because yeah. I couldn't find help so when I was able to sort of put things into place myself and then I started researching realized I could you know actually get my certification in child infant sleep consultancy um I did that and yeah and I just started my business and I started doing like just local home visits in Newcastle and that's literally all I was doing and then um yeah, slow. Like I didn't even have an Instagram page. I just had a little Facebook page that I was using and just word of mouth. And it would just be two home visits a week because that's all I could do um, with the little ones. And then it just got like a bit bigger and a bit bigger. And now it's got to the point where we, you know, obviously technology is so good as well. So we run flight visits um, worldwide. We do like home visits. We do phone consults. We have like sleep guides and it just, just offering that support that I found really hard to get. When I do my Q and A's on Instagram, the number one question that I get is, did you sleep train your babies? Like everybody yeah. is just so desperate for your, you know, for sleep. Yeah. It's your, it's the number one. Personally, for me, it's number one priority when you become a mum. You want to be able yeah. to ensure that your child's getting, you know, an adequate amount of sleep so that they can, you know, grow and develop. But also for yeah. yourself as a parent, because it, it's so hard to be a good one when you are yeah. so deprived of sleep. And so I, I constantly get asked questions about it which is why I wanted to get you on. I wanted to get on a proper, you know, a professional in this in this realm of motherhood and whatnot and I guess put a few things, I guess, to bed or maybe help answer some of the, you know, the most commonly asked questions. Yeah. Do you think, like, I personally find, like, from my side and, like, it's sort of like I think people ask that question too, like, did you sleep training? Because they sort of feel that sense of guilt and, like, are they doing the wrong thing by doing it? And it's honestly, like, I can't. I did a post about it a couple of weeks ago because I feel like we will accept help for anything else. Yes. Like if your child wasn't, you know, speaking properly, you'd see a speech pathologist. If they, pathologist. Yes. Um, if they weren't, you know, feeding properly, you'd see a lactation consultant. But when it comes to sleep, 
something that, you know, is like fundamental for growth and development. It's like we second guess ourselves um, and it's a badge of honour if we don't get it. Like, oh, I don't know. I just, yeah. Honestly, it's such a bugbear of mine, but I feel like people ask that question because they want to be feel validated for what reassured doing. Yeah. yeah and i yeah. i don't know why there would be any shame around that like if i if one of my children was a a shocking sleeper i would be calling in every single reinforcement i could yeah. possibly find to ensure yeah. that we helped you know them to form great habits or you know get into a routine mm-hmm. i there's no shame around it whatsoever like yeah. you helping your child is the best thing you can do and it's in turn it's going to help you as well. So I just... Well, you as a grown adult how bad you feel when you don't get good sleep. So as a little baby who's growing and developing so rapidly, for them to not be getting the sleep they need, like it's you can't imagine how they feel. And that's one thing parents always say, like once they always come back to say, oh, my God, my baby's so much happier. Like, yeah, because they couldn't sleep. I know. So let me ask you this. Do you advise sleep training from birth like do you sleep train newborns ever yeah so I guess we uh, the thing is like sleep training as such I guess is sort of a lot of there's that misconception people think that it is just a matter of like popping your baby and shutting the door and going and that's like letting you go till morning and then that's sleep training your child like it actually isn't that and that's not what happens at all but it does come down to like whether you you know routine or establishing those sort of healthy sleep associations at home like a wind down routine and swaddling sleeping bag things like that watching awake windows there's so many things our consults aren't just about like you know getting your child just to go down in their own cot so From newborns, like you can absolutely start like establishing those things from an from day one because obviously your child doesn't have any associations. They're brand new. They're a blank canvas. So you can just literally from day one try to like pop them down awake and like give them a little pat and like get them used to sleeping in their cot on their own rather than getting that, you know, forming that association that they only can be held to sleep or they only can be rocked to sleep. Yeah. And but at the same time, like there's absolutely nothing wrong if you just want to have contact naps and you just want to feed your child to sleep, go for it, like enjoy that. And, it, you know, it doesn't last forever, but you can also, like I said, they are a blank canvas, so you can by all means start to form those sustainable sleep associations early on. Yeah, so there's no really, there's no rules around it. Like I know with my three, I tend to just kind of really indulge in the first three months when as they're newborns. And I, do, I think yeah. especially after I had Charlie, I know it was such a fleeting stage and it was I, I just froth a newborn. I love I love how sluggish they are and I love that they just sleep on you. Yeah, they just sleep on you. So I really relish in that stage. So like when I'm ever offering advice to friends of mine, absolutely not putting my hand up and saying I'm not a professional, but I always say just enjoy those first couple of weeks and whatnot. And yeah. then I, I feel like the four-month sleep regression has kicked my ass with all three children. Oh, it's yeah. yeah, and so then after that is when I try to establish, I just used to focus on like awake times. Yeah, oh, 100%. Yeah, and that's really, especially those first sort of three to four months, like that is honestly the best thing you can do. And sometimes I feel like, you know, mums will come to us and they want that answer and they want like, what am I doing wrong? But you're not doing anything wrong. Like those first few weeks, there's not a lot we can offer you. Like yeah. you, the best thing you can do is watch those awake windows like routine will come eventually but for now it's going to be so unpredictable every day will look different and 
you know what, you really just, you shouldn't put pressure on yourself at that, in that point at all. Yeah, of course. So what do you think are some common misconceptions about sleep training? Apart from everyone thinking that it's just this ruthless cried out method. Yeah, I think that. And I think um, that people say like it will damage your attachment with your child. No, (laughs) I think, I think like one thing for us is as well, we deal a lot very closely with a lot of like postpartum depression and that obviously comes like that stems a lot from sleep deprivation as well so when parents are getting better sleep they do start to feel like a bit more I shouldn't say connected but like they want to be more they have they have more of a zest for motherhood and they really want to sort of like really delve into it whereas before they might be feeling a little bit sort of resentful and a little bit yeah, like, like yeah they not blame the baby but they do feel that resent toward resent yeah. towards the baby they're not getting the sleep that they yeah and I think and I and I think society paints this picture like you have this baby and it's so beautiful and they're lovely and they're gorgeous but like on coffee catch-ups every day yeah yeah, once I'm on maternity leave I'm going to go on coffee catch-ups and I'm going to be doing this and that but you don't like your days are filled with like a baby sleeping on you and you're still in your pajamas and you haven't brushed your teeth in three days like (laughs) that was me with my first child (laughs) and I just I was like what have I done? And you go back and you have another one and another one. And that's what I always say to my clients too. I'm like, you know what? You're in the trenches at the moment, but it will like you'll come out of this and you'll go, wow, like it goes so fast. It really does, doesn't it? Yeah. Everyone, you do get through it. (laughs) So when do you think is a good time? Say you've got a baby who, you know, is dependent on contact naps or you're feeding to sleep or there's a, I don't know, a dummy association, which is not, you know, backfiring in your face, which is exactly what happened with Charlie. When would you suggest is a good age to start, you know, implementing a few good tips and tricks? Yeah, so I think like obviously when something becomes unsustainable for you that's a good time and you're, you're ready for change then absolutely but if you're like from day one hey you know what I really want I need to do this I'm going to be going back to work and yes. routine is important between four to six months is a great time because they've gone through that regression and their sleep's now matured so we know that their sleep cycles are going to be really consistent now through, like through to sort of adulthood so we can start making changes and I guess the thing is the beauty of it in that age bracket is is that the associations aren't too entrenched so they've only known what they've known for that sort of four to six months it's not like it's been around for years so the longer we hold on to it after that and our babies become more alert and aware it gets a lot harder. I remember I used to hear this and I don't know if it was ever true but I remember being told that it takes three days for a baby to form a new routine is that true um so I guess like when we're changing an association like you will sort of definitely like see it get easier and easier as the days go on and by sort of day three we would expect to see like a little bit more of consistency in Mm -hmm. terms of the patterns forming but it really depends on to like what we're trying to change because like if we're talking about a baby who's co-slept and only fed to sleep like for you know 18 months well yes it's gonna take but yeah you will definitely like if you're 100 consistent you will see improvements by day three yeah 
I remember when Charlie, she must have been about eight months and she was a dummy addict. Much to my mum's disgust, she's anti-dummy, lol. And I was like, I'm all for it. Like the pacifiers, they're great. But she, yeah, yeah, but it was always (laughs) fine. Yeah, it was always fine and it served its purpose and it was fantastic. And then at around eight months, all of a sudden she'd go to bed, she'd have a dummy in and she started waking up almost every hour looking for her dummies. And I remember, I think I scattered like 20 in her cot, like search around (laughs) and it just didn't matter. She just caught and it started becoming more of a disruption to me. And I remember calling Tresillion because that's all I knew at the time. And yeah, and they were like, oh, well, you just need to remove it from her when it's not serving you and it's not helping and it's more of a hindrance it's just time yeah. to remove them and she was like oh you know I, I just think slowly over time start removing them and you know take them from one nap and then the next day another nap and my mom was like nah we're going cold turkey and I was my mom's yeah. a bit tough and love no oh, and I was such a pussy I was like mum I can't do the first night I can't and I, she was like give yeah. it to me I'll do it so we had, <laughs> oh, we had a wedding and Ryan and I went to his wedding and my mum stayed up the entire night because Charlie cried the entire night she was like it's okay I just settled her and we gave her a cuddle and then I'd put her down and she'd wake up crying and I'd give her a cut and to her credit she did she pushed through that night for me and then I remember when I picked her up in the morning, she was like, don't you like renege on our agreement. Do not give her a dummy. And I remember the second night she maybe woke up two or three times and I settled. And then the third night she slept straight through. It makes such a difference. It does. quickly and you're consistent then definitely. But as you like your mum, you know, experienced that first night, there is always that sort of that protest and that tears and whatnot. And it, it's not because like they're hurt or in pain or anything and you're with them the whole time. It's just that frustration that they don't know how to go to sleep any other way and they want to yeah. go to sleep. They're tired. So they are genuinely getting upset. So, you know, your mum was there with her the whole time and supported her through that change and showed her a new way to go to sleep. And with consistency from you both, like it, made the world a difference. And that's probably where people come unstuck, right, because they see their baby crying and and coupled with the fact that they're also tired. And I can see how yeah. that's where so many people must just give in. Cause oh, just- I know. And I always say to parents, like, with ditching the dummy, I'm like, no, no, no. I said, like, go look, check on top of your fridge, check every drawer. I want them gone. Put them in that whiz bin because at 2 a.m. it's going to be easy to go and find one. Yes. And you're going to undo Put them in the bin. That's exactly. <laughs> I rounded mine up. I reckon I had about 165 in the house and I rounded every single one up and I bin them because I was like, that's how committed I am. We are not going backwards. Love that. No, I'll give my eldest, like this is like obviously like before I sort of knew what I knew, she used to go to bed with this little Tupperware container and she'd call it her dummy box and she yeah. had like, 30 dummies in this thing and she'd like rub them in her hands and like you'd see a little eyes roll back. (laughs) She loved like the sensory play and everything. So cute. Well, my because my mum was so anti-dummy, apparently none me and my brothers, we never had one, but it backfired on her because my littlest brother was a thumb sucker instead. But the thing is, you can't take away your thumb. You can't take away the thumb. So he was sucking his thumb till he was seven. And, yeah. like, he'd pushed his two front teeth real forward yeah. and, like, even the up section of his mouth, like, his palate had been, like, almost distorted because <laughs> he'd been sucking his thumb for so long. And I was like, <laughs> Why didn't it? Oh, how's, those, how's, those, how's that anti-dummy 
policy going for you now? Anyway. Okay, so hypothetically, if you had to give on average a, a rough idea, how long would you say that it takes to sleep train a child? So for like probably, you know, let's say a baby that's potentially co-slept or only been fed to sleep and that's the only thing they know, like I would probably recommend two weeks yeah. like of being 100% consistent. Like you'll definitely see improvements before that time, but yes. you're going to be smaller and you, yeah. But when we work with clients, very, like our um, one-on-one follow-up support clients, we work with them closely for two weeks and it's like, Every day for two weeks, I'll send a sleep log through and we're like, okay, this is what you got to do today. This is what you got to do. But it does come down to, I guess, you know, the situation of the of the family and, yeah, of and you know, what associations we've got. But anywhere between sort of that, you know, maximum two weeks, but yep. yeah, anywhere in between. And that seems like such a small amount of time in order, like short-term pain, long-term gain. Like, yeah, I, and the first few nights are going to be the hardest, as you know, Like, yes. but then it does just get easier. And from that point, it literally just comes down to being consistent because things might feel like they've fallen into place, but you can slowly sort of step back. And so it is just important to really sort of reinforce the changes and, and be consistent with those while it all settles in. Um and, yeah, obviously the older the child to, the, the longer it's going to take. Yeah, of course. And if a child, like say you've sleep trained a child and they're sleeping through and then all of a sudden, you know, they get sick and, you know, yeah. when they're sick obviously they need you more and, you know, they probably need a little bit more affection and I don't know what, what if they're teething or something, do you then have to retrain them or is it kind of like riding a bike? They should Yeah, fall. so they like obviously won't lo- lose that skill, like yeah. they'll still be able to sleep. Um. But you made us find, like, for instance, like if you go on holidays or, yeah. you know, you've been camping and you've all been in the same bed or, or you know, your little one gets sick and you've just been contact napping and things. But when things do, like when they are better and you decide to go pop them down in their cot, you may find there's that little bit of protest. You know, eh, like, yeah. protest like this isn't what's been happening for the last sort of few days or a week. And then that's where, like, you know, parents can come unstuck because they go, oh, they're upset. Oh, they, they need me. And they'll like pick them up. Whereas they they don't give them that little, you know, the benefit of the doubt that I know, hey, you know what? I know you can go to sleep. Yeah. I know you can do this. I'm just going to give you a little bit of space for a couple of minutes. And then, you know, if you need me, I'll come back in and reassure and check on you. But, yeah. and like, yeah, to be honest, again, like if your child could sleep and then you've fallen off the track for a week or so, two to three days maximum and you'll be back on track. It's just being back, take it back to basics, be consistent and, yeah. you know, know that your child can sleep. They haven't lost that skill. Yeah, of course. I remember even when I had Kobe just recently had his tonsils out, we were in hospital and obviously I just slept next to him in yeah. um, and the pull-out bed was like being in prison. So I was jumping, in, yeah. I was jumping in his bed because I was like, this is way more comfortable. But then, yeah. you know, the first five day, almost the first seven days, he was just constantly up. Recovery was quite brutal. So he was just in bed with me, like finding solace in my arms because he was, you know, in agony and whatnot. And then I noticed even when he had kind of scabs had fallen off and he'd recovered, he was like, Oh, like I sleep with you. I'll sleep in your bed. And I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> like you've recovered yeah. now. It's back to basics. I'll sit yeah, next exactly. to you and sing Silent Night, you know, a bit of a sucker. I'll hold your yeah. hand for five minutes because I'm longing my little baby. But, yeah, even last night Ryan was like, you need to stop holding his hand to sleep. And I was like, we both know that he can fall asleep without me. Yeah. Like he just tries it on with me and I'm probably a bit of a sucker. So last yeah. night we, we, I was like, okay, it's fine. I won't hold his hand to sleep and so we both went upstairs we put him to bed and he's fine he just tries his luck so he came upstairs and 
Yeah. Yeah. Ryan put him back to bed. Then he came upstairs again and I put him back to bed. He literally came upstairs about 16 times. And I was like, buddy, you got to show dad and I that you're a big boy and that you can go to bed on your own. And, you know, we exhausted his energy, got him to bed about 8.30. But he he can. He can go to bed on his own. Yeah, you know. And you can just tell when, like, things are starting to sort of take a step, like, off track. And that's fine. And tonight you'll probably find it's heaps easier. But... You might also decide you want to sit there and hold his hand and that's okay. I know. Oh, he's absolutely fine. Like Ryan was like, when you were away, he doesn't get out of bed once. And I said, yeah, because you're Satan. Like you don't give him anything. Your your heart's encased in ice. No, he knows you're not going to deliver the goods. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. He knows mum's a sucker. (laughs) What about, what are some safe sleep associations? Like is white noise really good for Kids? Yeah, white noise is awesome. And I think it's good too. We, like white noise obviously is a bit of a buffer as well. So not only like it's a really positive sleep association, like I don't know if you've ever used it, but when you, you like you turn it on, sometimes babies like they'll start to like, it's like pulling out a sleeping bag or something. They'll start to like rub their eyes or arch their back. Like they yeah. know what it is. Yeah. And that's really like, you know, it is a very positive sleep association, but white noise also it's just that buffer. Like, as you know, like if some, if you're getting up early in the morning, you don't have to tiptoe around or older kids. And you yeah, that's – I never I never used it with Charlie. I actually – this is weird. I know a lot of people like it, but it actually grinds on my nerves. Like, it actually annoys oh, yeah. me. Oh, I, yeah, I have to keep the rain sound. Like, oh, that's the yes. only sound. When we've just been travelling in the caravan, like five of us in a little 23-foot yeah, wow. shoebox. We've had white noise, but yeah. we've had the rain. Like, and it's yes. so – actually, you get really used to it. And it's so nice. So coming back and sleeping in silence has been a little bit irritating. But Well, um, I a girlfriend of mine told me about brown noise. Apparently there's this, yeah. there's brown noise now. Wow. wow. Soon there's going to be rainbow noise yeah. and whatnot. But I yeah. – I never used any sound with Charlie. Firstborn didn't need to, but it yeah. it was absolutely imperative with my life, and especially for Kobe with Bobby yeah. running around the house like a raging bull. I had the white noise up so loud. It, it works really well, like for early mornings as well, like things like garbage trucks and yes. people leaving for work or going to the gym. And um, but yeah, and then also naps. It, it is good, but in terms of being a, a sleep association, it's um yeah, just when you pop that noise on. Um, they do associate that with falling to sleep. So then why we keep it going all night um, or all through the duration of their nap is because when they're going through sleep cycles and they reach that light phase of sleep, they have what's called a partial wake-up. So they're little like if you were to watch them on a monitor, you'd see their little eyes flicker and they might just sort of reposition themselves in the cot. And in that point in time, they sort of hear that same sound they heard when they went to sleep and it's just that, you know, like they're able to close their eyes and resettle themselves and go back into another deep phase of sleep. So everything's consistent. It's what they heard when they fell asleep and that's why we go with like that consistent sound rather than something like lullabies or classical music where it's high-pitched, low-pitched. Yes, that makes so much sense. Is that, is 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 it nighttime? Is it just because they, I know you just mentioned a sleep cycle is 45 minutes and I know that a lot of the times a lot of mums have trouble with their kids just having one sleep cycle and a a big issue is trying to link them. But at night time, is that what it is? Is it just constant 45-minute sleep cycles linked? No. So overnight sleep cycles are longer. So overnight they're two to four four hourly. So usually usually for a child who doesn't have – like a strong sleep association. So like, for instance, with Charlie, you were noticing those one to two hourly wakes for the dummy. Yes. That's where you would see the sort of one to two hours. If it's if they don't have a sleep association, we do still see sort of partial wakes around 
that four to five hourly mark. So yep. they'll basically have what's like I was just saying, like you might just hear them sort of like make a little grunt on the monitor or yeah. like, you know, move around the cot a little bit. Um, but that's sort of, yeah, the two end of the, the deep phases of sleep end around that four to five hour mark. And what's your advice in regards to toddlers or babies even not being able to link a sleep cycle and not being able to, you know, extend their day naps from 45 minutes to, you know, two hours, which is what you kind yeah. of. Yeah, so I think so. In terms of like that 40-minute cat nap at lunch, um, that's usually like obviously we need to understand that if our little child, if our little one can't self-settle, like they can't put themselves to sleep initially, they're going to really struggle to be able to resettle themselves. Yeah. Because, you know, like you obviously need to be able to self-settle before you can resettle. So we teach them how to self-settle. Once they can do that on their own, then we can sort of help them learn how to consolidate sleep cycles and, and resettle themselves because if they wake up after 40 minutes, say they've put themselves to sleep and they get to the end of that sleep cycle, they're still going to wake up because they haven't learned how to link those sleep cycles. So we have to teach them how to go back to sleep after the sleep pressure is not as high. So when they're at the beginning of a nap, they're really tired. They haven't had a sleep. Their sleep pressure is really high. But after 40 minutes, it's a lot lower, so it's harder to get back into that that deep phase of sleep again. So it is. it does take a little bit longer to fall into place, but I guess one thing to, you know, be mindful of is with that, you know, overnight or of a day nap, like say we're talking about toddlers, if if they're used to you, if they really need you to lay there and fall asleep with them and they're really insistent on that, then naturally they're going to look for that when they wake overnight in between sleep cycles. And if they wake up and mum's gone, well, they're going to come out of bed down the hallway to find you to go yeah. back to sleep. That's how they associate going to sleep. But, yeah, of a day, it's the same with like say, for instance, you feed your baby pop them in the clock completely asleep at around that 40 minute mark they're going to wake up and they're going to be like hang on a minute like I was just in your arms I was, arms just, I was just on the boob where's the yeah. boob on yeah 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 and I need it to go back to sleep so come over here and and you know get me back to sleep and that's that's just where that sort of 40 minute cat nap is and there's there's not nothing wrong with it um but it is developmentally normal those sleep cycles but you can teach a little one from around 4 to 5 months to consolidate and get longer like stretches of sleep in and and I think I think especially with your first child I think it, a lot of it is all trial and error like I remember with Charlie I used to do that exact thing. I used to feed her to sleep. So every yeah. night I remember I'd go upstairs and I'd light a candle, I'd make it all dark and like nice and moody. And then we'd have this really beautiful like feeding bonding thing and I would get gaze lovingly at her. Obviously my first child I had all the time in the world. And then and- like- Exactly right. But I did, I, I did know that like I used to feed her to sleep and it all kind of came unstuck for me around, yeah, eight months. Again, Trisillian were like, oh, you need to stop doing that. And I, I remember saying, but it's worked up until now. Like she, she would yeah. go to sleep and it was, it was fine. She was like, and she was like, that's fine, but you need to switch it up now. So I took that advice into my next, you know, journey with Bob. And I remember always, I would always feed him downstairs in like a really loud room. And then I would get him up on my shoulder and I would burp him, but he was very much awake. And then I would take him upstairs into the dark room and I'd light my candle and we'd read a book. And then I, yeah. So I do think like your first child is a lot of just trial and error. And then you kind of take things. You're learning as well. Like, yeah. It's all, but yeah, like 
And then the second comes along or the third and really you just <laughs> got to do what you're going to do to survive. <laughs> I don't even really remember raising Kobe. He's basically just been parenting himself from yeah. birth. I had to keep him alive for the first six months, at six weeks or six months actually and keep him away from Bobby. But um, there's so much of his early childhood years that I don't even remember because it was just a yeah. whirlwind. Blur, isn't it? I know. You look back at photos and you're like, oh, yeah. I don't remember that stage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay, so what are some quick and easy to implement baby sleep tips? Okay, so um, I think the best thing is like we just um, sort of touched on is the wind down. Like just having a wind down routine, that consistency before bed, like just the same sort of sequence of events. Like like you were saying, you go up into the room, you might dim the lights, you might, you know, get them in their sleeping bag or sing a song or read a book. Like just that sequency, that consistency of those events helps your little one know that what's happening, like the next order of events which is yep. bed so yep. there's less likely to be fight when we do that um you know and that doesn't mean you can't then go and feed your child or rock them to sleep but it's just helping them know what's coming yeah and they really do thrive off like that sort of like any sort of routine whether it's a nap routine or like a wind down routine just that consistency helps them yes. to know what what's coming next um so that's a really good one and watching awake windows like even again if you don't want to sleep train your child just by watching your little ones awake windows and making sure they're age appropriate, you're going to find naps a lot easier to achieve than just winging it. Yeah, I've actually found that I've never really had structured like set nap times. I had always just whatever their age was, I would, you know, I used to Google what their awake windows would be and I would always just go off that and they kind of just slid into a routine based off that. They would always wake up, you know, roughly within the, at this, you know, an hour, the same hour of each other. And then just based off that, that would kind of set my day up in terms of yeah. when they would go down for a nap. And I do, I, I totally agree with the bedtime thing because since I had Charlie, I remember my mum saying that same thing to me. As long as you have like a three-step bedtime thing. So we would do dinner, bath, books and bed or like yeah. boob and bed or whatever or bottle and bed. And even still to this day, I still aim to feed them dinner roughly around the same time and then I've given up bathing them. They just chuck them in the shower now. But we all, I always try to start like the wind down bed, bed-ish time process around 7 p.m. And I yep. think that really helps to the point where like Charlie went for a sleepover at her girlfriend's house and she had a much later bedtime and Charlie was cactus by like 7.30. Oh. She could barely keep her eyes open because for her whole life basically she's, you know, we might let, she like likes to stay up on the weekends and she can stretch to about 8 p.m. But she's consistently gone to bed at 7 p.m. for most of her life so that's all her body clock knows well I know yeah I know we've we've been in the same position like we're at someone's and they're like like, all the girls come up and you're like mum we're tired can we go home you're not much fun I know it's backfiring (laughs) on us now (laughs) okay so I'm just trying to think if there's anything else that I can ask that I know will be helpful okay last one I know and this happened to me with all of mine. If you have a, like a baby from the age of, I don't know, maybe one upwards or something that wakes really early in the morning, like mm. 4.35, is this a common thing that you see? Do you see a lot of kids that wake really early? Yeah. Oh, gosh, yeah, um, definitely. It's, you know, it's one of our specialties <laughs> yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, um, and I've been through it so badly. But Hattie was our early riser and I do, I honestly believe there's one in every family. Yes. But, um, 
Bobby. <laughs> but yeah, it is. And the thing is, like early rising, it is it is brutal. Like, but it is one of those things that if you're aware of what can you know contribute, it can be easy to fix. And it, it is like I'm not saying like it, it won't happen overnight. Like it is the hardest sort of sleep issue to correct because it does take a while. But yeah. things like um, definitely 12 months, like there's a lot going on in terms of the, that 12 month regression, they're getting ready, ready to drop to two, uh, to one nap. So yeah. we'd need to usually look at the, t- the timing and the length of the morning nap, because that's a big thing around that age, if we're talking about that specifically. But overall, like early rising, our body clocks are set by food, light and social interaction. So it's one of those things that if your little one is just waking at, you know, 4am and you're there going, well, you know what? It's 4 a.m., it's close to 5, 5's morning. I'm just going to get you up because I want to keep the peace in the household and I don't want my 5- and 6-year-old waking up. Um, I'm just going to take you and we'll go for a drive and get a coffee or something. like. Yeah. <laughs> Which I was guilty of. I used yeah. to go to my bathroom or find a 24-hour calls and, like, do the groceries or something. Yeah. But it, it is one of those things, like a few mornings of doing that and getting them up, exposing them to that light, that food, that social interaction, it is enough to reset their internal body clock, their circadian rhythm, and let them know that this is an okay time to start the day. Yeah. Even if they seem genuinely not ready to, they will struggle to go back to sleep just because they've had that external exposure and they think that that's what's going to happen. So, yeah, that's definitely a big one, trying to avoid those things. And if you can, just try to treat it like a night wake. I know that it's really hard, especially when you've got other children in the house, but that's where white noise is really good for them as well. Yeah. Light noise on. Um, but my advice would just be like if you notice it start to happen, assess your routine and go, okay, is this like now no longer appropriate for them? Do I need to make some changes to their routine? And if that's okay, then just you know, really look at your reaction at that time. Like, am I just encouraging it by getting them by up? By getting them up, them, yeah. Bringing them into our room and that they lay there and they think it's playtime because they're not used to sleeping in your bed. So they roll around, they crawl all over you, and they think it's time to start the day. So Although we have good intentions, like it, it is one of those things, like I think we just need to, it, it it will be a lot easier to fix if we just get onto it straight away. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I remember Bobby, even still to this day, he just went through a stage where, because what's considered a morning wake up? Is it like after anything after 5.30 or is it 6am? Yeah, so I would say like, Anything after 5.30, like I would still try to resettle as close to 6am and keep them in there quite if they're yeah. okay. Like if they're just in there chit-chatting to themselves, rolling around, like let them go. Because yes. You know what? Like until they're actually getting upset, I'd let them go as close to sort of 6.30 as possible because yeah. they're okay, man. Chances are like if you continue to do that over a few mornings, they may just start going back to sleep. Yes. But if you go in and get them straight up, you're going to find that it's going to have the opposite effect and they're just going to start waking earlier and earlier. Yeah, yeah it's just really important to sort of, early rising I can't stress that enough like if it starts to happen really try to identify what's happening and get onto it as soon as you can oh and and you're right I swear there is one in every family because Charlie and Kobe would sleep till 7 30 given the chance and the opportunity but obviously Kobe shares a room with Bobby and Bobby it doesn't matter I've tried putting him to bed later I've tried all of the things and every single morning like we're lucky that he's pushed it back till six now he used to be 5 30 but he just bounds out of bed and he's he's yes. ready for cereal. He wants cereal oh, within the, he wants cereal within the next two minutes. And me and yes. Ryan just have to like scissor paper yes. rock. Yeah. God, please. I would I was like, I'll put the cereal on a lower shelf. Like he just needs to yes. learn how to make his own cereal. He just put it next to his bed. He might just make <laughs> I it. I should yeah, he'd tip it all over the floor for sure. Um <laughs> But yeah, I it's 
It's so dis- – I mean, it's not disappointing. He's a great sleeper now, but even if it was just 6.30 or just even that extra half an hour would be – I always say, like, to parents too, I'm like, isn't it great, that feeling when you – if you've had, like, a really early riser, when you roll over and you hear them and it, you've got a six on the clock, it's a good feeling. It's a like- good feeling, absolutely. <laughs> if it's still pitch black, I don't want to know about it. Like, go back to bed. Oh, I'm not even entertaining this. Oh, I feel like – Mitch is like the biggest contributing factor in this house too. Like if he's up, everyone has to be up. That's, and it's like yep. bang, 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 doors slamming, coffee machines on. And so we're all up. So I this is yeah. this is literally my house. I can get up and get ready to go to Pilates at 5:30 in the morning. I brush my teeth, wash my face, not a single sound from me. Ryan yeah. gets up. And it's like an sleep. Yeah, it's like an elephant's walking around the house. And like he, he it's he'll turn lights on and I'm like where is the consideration? We are all oh, trying no. to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> and he's always has like early morning flights, which means he has to get up at like 4.30 and I'm like, nah, you are not having a shower this morning. Have one tonight and take your clothes and sleep upstairs in the lounge room. Oh, no, this is so funny. Mitch actually said to me the other day because we we knocked our house down and rebuilt and like when we when the kids were little we lived in our old house and I'm um, He's like, we didn't have, we only had the one bathroom inside and then we had an outdoor shower. It was a hot shower. Like, you know, I'm not, I'm not horrible. But he's like, we used to make me shower out there when I had to go to work early in the morning. I was like, yeah, hell yeah, I did. Because I didn't want, I didn't want a, you know, a two-year-old and a six-month-old up. So yeah, I did. I feel (laughs) you. I would have done exactly the same thing. Okay. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I, I'm sure everyone is going to love this episode and I'll put your handle down. I know you've got lots of different sleep guides for, and they're all age specific, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, we do. So we've got like a zero to three month and then they go all the way up to four years. So, And I think the biggest thing to take from this is that like, if you are struggling with sleep or, you know, you do need to just implement some things that are going to help, like there's there's an abundance of help out there and yes, you just. And it doesn't have to be through through me, absolutely. Like, but if you are, you know, feeling like you need some guidance, don't. Reach out, it. right? Yeah, absolutely. Because like I said, you wouldn't question getting help for anything else. Like, yes. so sleep is super important, not only for you um, and your mental health and your whole like family um, dynamic. It is, yeah, it's super it's important. It's paramount. So. I absolutely agree. I, I would go to the ends of the earth to, uh, you know, help my child sleep if I was struggling. Wow. Only because I am a walking she devil if I am sleep deprived. You do not want to mess with me. me. Too, girlfriend. <laughs> me All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I am so That's appreciative right. of you giving up your time. That's all right. Next time, make it like late so we can have a wine. Yeah. Well, yeah, but I've had lots of feedback that we're not allowed to drink. Well, me, apparently, I've got a really loud swallowing reflex. Wow. That mm. sounds quite inappropriate. But yeah, let's have a wine regardless. All right, I'll drink I'll drink off microphone. <laughs> yeah, Thanks so much, good. babe. I'll chat to you soon. Bye. Okay, guys, that was Christy. She is the sleep teacher. I will leave her handle down the bottom in the show notes. Please don't feel obliged. If you are looking for a sleep consultant, please don't feel obliged to go through her. Obviously, she is amazing and I should have asked her to talk about some of the glowing reviews that she's got. I can only mention that she's helped out a lot of my girlfriends because I know about it, but I do, I think she's doing really fantastic stuff for mothers and, you know, I think it was really kind of her to jump on here and spend some time with us this morning. So I hope I did try and ask her a few questions that get sent through to me. I always, I mean, I, 
I always try to answer when I do do my Q&As on Instagram. I try to answer them like I would if I was giving an advice to a friend, but I'm not a professional. I'm not a professionally trained sleep consultant. I'm not a marriage counselor. I'm not a sex therapist. I'm just giving advice like I would to a friend. So it was really nice to get on Christy because she's a skilled professional in her field. So if you are having any issues or just need some reassurance or, you know, soft guiding or whatnot, please reach out to her. She has a wealth of knowledge and she's just so helpful. And I hope you found this episode informative and helpful. And I hope you all have a fantastic weekend and I will see you next Wednesday or whenever you listen to my podcast next. Bye for now. Mwah.